Damn Podcast Land. You're set to dial once again to Combat Sports with Ronnie, your first best and only all-encompassing Combat Sports Podcast, episode number 69. Insert your joke if you want to now. <laughs> Today's guest is going to be like top-tier grappling and jiu-jitsu ace Hunter Colvin. He's also an undefeated uh, LFA middleweight at 3-0. and Really, really cool to talk to. Hope you guys check that out a little bit later. So let's go ahead and get into our intro and our schedule for today. Uh, once again, episode 69 is going to have our recap of Bellator 255, Pitbull versus Sanchez. We're going to cover one pro boxing bout, which was the uh, junior lightweight championship between Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton. That was uh, that was also on that was Saturday afternoon, right? Then Drea's real famous drop of the night, a Q&A sesh with a Rhino gang, which is always fire, as we all know. Then the aforementioned Hunter Colvin is going to go really fun. Ten rounds of Rhino. So... Let's go ahead and get our swim chunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. Bellator 255, our main card. The first fight was Kano Watanabe versus Alejandro Lara. Now, this one was an interesting fight because in the first round, I thought Watanabe did a good job of getting Alejandro to the ground. Obviously, Alejandro Lara wanted to keep the fight on the feet. She was a far superior striker when they were up on their feet. But Watanabe got her on the ground, spent most of the time on her back. Alejandro Lara did manage to reverse, uh, get on top of her, work a little bit of ground and pound. But most of the, most of that first round was Watanabe. Uh, in the second round, again, it was all Watanabe. Just kept on top of her. Every time they went to the ground, she, Lara could not reverse, not get up. Uh, it was all Watanabe on the ground, pretty much the same for the third. The the main story, so Watanabe actually got a split decision. I thought it was a clear-cut, unanimous decision. But the story that came out of it was everybody on Twitter talking about uh, Alejandro Lara's shorts. That seemed to be the general um, narrative that came out of this one. So we actually have a question about that later in the Rhino game, so stay tuned for that. Uh, next, we had um, we had the champ's cousin, Usman Nurmagomedov, uh, Habib's cousin, in there versus Mark Hamill. This one was a very fun fight. This one was mostly kept on the feet. Usman, even though he's a Nurmagomedov, is mostly a taekwondo, a kickboxing striker type of fighter, as opposed to a get the double leg, take you down, smother you with ground and pound. Uh, Mark Hamill, gamely, man, was in this fight the entire time, trying to land techniques, trying to push forward, trying to fight. Usman was just too much. His kicks were the story, dude. Spinning back kicks were landing hard to the body. He landed a couple high kicks, really brutal leg kicks, ate up Mark Hamill's legs. And again, Usman looked fantastic. He stays undefeated with the unanimous decision, but give all credit due to Mark Hamill, dude. He did a great job of uh, trying to make something happen. We see a lot of guys when they are getting beaten every which way but loose really kind of shell up. But he didn't. He kept on trying to get after it. So all kudos to Mark Hamill, but great win for Usman Nurmagomedov. Moving in, that was at 155 pounds. Moving to the heavyweight, my boys, the big boys, the big old 265ers, Tyrell Fortune versus Jack May. Um, as we like to say here on Combat Sports Round, this one was one-way track. <laughs> Tyrell Fortune put May up against the fence, took him down, just smashed him relentlessly for a while. And then finally, at 316 in round one, the ref stopped the fight. Fortune completely dominated May. Uh, yeah, Tyrell Fortune has got a big, you know, hype train behind him. We'll have to wait and see what happens for him next. Uh, moving into 170 pounds, we had Neiman Gracie versus Jason Jackson. This one was interesting, dude. Uh, the one thing that kind of stood out, I think, for all of us who watched this fight was Neiman Gracie went to take Jason Jackson down up against the cage. Somehow, some way, it like cheese grated 
uh, Jason's eye. I mean, it looked bad right from the beginning. It really, really hurt him. Somehow Jason was able to put that out of his mind. He he kept cop kept top control for the vast majority of this fight. Not a lot of huge things happened, right? There was a couple of fouls. It wasn't the most ebb and flow of a fun fight. It was a lot of Jackson on top. Not a ton of things happened, but really the eye rake against the cage, that was the kind of the ugh part of the evening. But kudos to Jason Jackson for staying tough and staying able, being able to stay on top for the majority of that one. So he beats Neiman Gracie by unanimous decision, uh, 170 pounds. And then moving into, that was our co-main event. Moving into our main event, we have Patricio Pitbull versus Manny Sanchez, a rematch. And this is for the semifinals of the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. Patricio Pitbull, man, once again, dude, he clamped on his signature at this point, uh, front guillotine, and he got the submission out of Manny Sanchez at just 3.30 into the first round, dude. Pitbull is on a trajectory that I don't know of is being paralleled by almost anybody in MMA right now. I mean, you can say all you want about Bellator being a subpar product or having less, you know, skilled fighters in it, but Pitbull is just on another level right now. And we have a great question about him later on the Rhino gang as well. So he defends his title and moves one step forward to uh, the Bellator Grand Prix semifinal or the finals, I should say against AJ McKee, which is going to be a banger. So, Let's go ahead and get into our pro boxing recap from the weekend. We had a Saturday afternoon from over in Dubai, I believe. We had the WBO Junior Lightweight, which is for in boxing is 130 pounds. We had Jamel Herring representing the USA versus Carl Frampton representing Ireland. This one was a pretty... Uh, Jamel Herring looked to be in control most of the time. Carl Frampton had his spots. And then the sixth round, the wheels really fell off for Frampton. Jamel hit him with a beautiful, and I mean picture-perfect, uppercut that put Frampton on his ass. He, he dropped him again a little bit later because he was still on wobbly legs. Sixth round TKO for Jamel Herring, the uh, former U.S. serviceman. What a great win for him, uh, retaining his belt at 130 pounds. Fantastic. Carl Frampton was all class. He retired at the end. He had a beautiful speech. I retweeted it. He basically said, you know, his family had been suffering enough with him being away. He was missing his kids growing up. So Carl Frampton, great career. He has retired, it looks like. Jamel Herring moves on. Um, I don't know who his next defense will be at 130 pounds, but, boy, that was, a, that was a fun fight while it lasted. All right, that's our recap from the combat sports realm from this weekend. I, again, I don't really want to get too much into the CFFC guy getting his finger kicked off. Everybody saw enough and heard enough about that for me to have to go over too much on my show. So, D-Ray, let's go ahead and give Dre a call and get her world-famous drop of the night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, right, okay, let's go ahead and get into our world-famous Dre's drop of the night. Trey, what do you got for us this week? My Dre's drop of the night is coming from Bellator 255, Mandel Nalo versus Ricardo Satius. Round one, Mandel was landing everything he threw on Ricardo. Uh, he had him all bloodied up. And then about three minutes into round one, Mandel throws this beautiful question mark kick to the head and then followed up with a Superman punch that just dropped Ricardo to the canvas fight was waved off and it was a beautiful finish for Mandel. So my Drea's drop of the night goes to Mandel Malo. Another tri-star prospect from up there in Montreal. Very good job of the night. Co-sign on that one completely. All right. So we had a dry weekend as far as the UFC goes, but not to worry this coming Saturday, we've got, 
UFC on ABC2. So from the main card from that, Dre and I are going to make our picks. And we've been talking a lot of shit this last few weeks because Dre has been kicking my ass. Not once, not <laughs> twice, but three times. So this is all the marbles are going to come down to this one, I think. All right. So my first pick for the main card is I've got Daniel Rodriguez beating Mike Perry by a third round TKO. What say you on that one? Future play Adrea. I'm taking Daniel uh, Rodriguez too, but I'm taking a unanimous decision on this one. I think it's going to go the full three rounds and Daniel's going to take it with five points. All righty. Then we got Mackenzie Dern. This is Nina Ansaroff. This one hurts the old rhino a little bit. You know, I really love, I really love Nina and I love her family and the whole story of the, you know, I just love it. But I got Mackenzie Dern getting her in submission. I'm guessing uh, triangle choke. So I'm going real specific. I got Mackenzie Dern by triangle choke over Nina Ansaroff. Submission round two. What about you? Yeah, I don't think this fight's going to go any other way than Mackenzie Dern via sub. Uh, I'm going around to submission for Mackenzie. You want to call the sub or you want to just let that ride? No, yeah, I'll let that ride. You're usually okay. the one to get more into detail on this. <laughs> I go out on the limb. I go, I go, I go land on the limb. Um, all right, then we get 185 pounds. We've got Julian Marquez. I got him beating Sam Alvey, but I think it's going to be my name decision. I think. Julian's going to get a pretty clear-cut decision, but Sam Alvey's really tough and he's hard to finish, and he likes to grind, you know, against the cage a lot. So I got Julian Marquez by unanimous decision. What about you? I think Julian's going to get the finish. I'm taking Julian Marquez via TKO round two. Already moving. Well, staying in the hundred. A lot. Of, there's a lot of middleweight fights on this card. Mm-hmm. Staying in the middleweight division, we've got Alaskab Kurziev versus Kyle Dalkus. I think this is. Going to be Dalkus's first loss in the UFC. I think this is Kurziev by unanimous decision. What's your call on this one, feature player, Drea? I'm going with Kyle on this. Um, so I think I debated back and forth on a unanimous decision or a sub, but I'm going Kyle with a sub, I think, round two. What the fuck is up, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I going to think when I see the name Kyle. That name, uh, Kyle. <laughs> so then we've got Super Sadiq Youssef versus Arnold Allen. This is a great fight. Kairos and I were actually talking about this the other night. Uh, Gina as well. I've got Super Sadiq winning by clean KO, but not until late. Arnold Allen's tough, and I think he's a good fighter. He'll have his moments. But I've got Super Sadiq Youssef KO in the third round over Arnold Allen. Give us your call on that one. Each player, right? Oh, wow. We are just on the same page for this whole card. The only thing is I'm going to unanimous decision for Sadiq. I I have him winning the whole fight and taking the unanimous decision. All righty. Then we've got staying once again in the 185 pound division. We've got Kevin Holland stepping in on short notice uh, to fight Marvin Vittori. I think this actually does benefit Kevin Holland. Um, I, I know he got, you know, really taken apart by Brunson, but I don't think Vittori's, I don't think Vittori's ego is going to want him to take it down. I think Vittori's going to want to stand and bang. Cause you know, Kevin Holland's going to be, doing his talking during the entire fight. So I think mm-hmm. he's going to try to take his head off. And I think Kevin Holland is, has the advantage on the feet. So I got Kevin Holland winning by split decision over Marvin Vittori. I think Marvin's going to have a good showing in spots, but I think Kevin Holland's going to outland him. I've got Kevin Holland winning by split decision over Marvin Vittori. What's your pick on that one? Well, we finally have one that we disagree on. I think Marvin Vittori is going to take this one. Um, I did say split decision just like you, but I'm going Marvin with the split over Kevin. 
Gotcha. So we got two off on the main guard. We always have at least a couple on the prelims. So we'll see how we uh, we'll see how we do this Saturday. So let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from our girl Sin City Sarah, who we love so much. Such a positive attitude. Wonderful, wonderful friend of the show. Sin City Sarah, what do you got for us this week? Since it's episode 69, I'm submitting a juicy question. I just Uh-oh. can't help myself. <laughs> if you had to choose two female fighters, both wearing the same fight outfit as Lara was uh, wearing during Bellator Friday night, who would you choose? <laughs> Doesn't have to be realistic or same weight class, just for fun. Um, well, just for fun, we all know that anything comes in this, like, in this realm of questioning, my number one answer is always Michelle Watterson. It's always Karate Hobby. <laughs> she's my favorite. She's the one I've had a crush on for forever. She's my favorite. Like, mo- I'm the most attracted to female fighter in the UFC. Um, I-, I-, I really debated on the second person, but I'm going to go with uh, Heather Heat Hardy, who I remember I talked about, which would be the other person I would want to go on a date with in the MMA and boxing world, but I think she's just gorgeous, and I think she's badass, and Yes, I think the two of them fighting um, in those shorts would be very uh, appeasing to my eyes, we'll say. Drea, do you <laughs> want to take a stab at answering this question yourself? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, Lara, she wore that outfit pretty damn good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she had everyone. <laughs> she had people that... Uh, didn't watch Bellator tuning into Bellator just because of <laughs> what everyone was saying. So, yeah, I don't know that I would know who I would want her to fight, but yeah, no. She, but another she repeat was, performance by Laura. Right. She wore that outfit well, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Cincy Sarah, thank you so much, my dear. And absolutely check out Cincy Sarah's. Uh, vlog her, her YouTube channel. It is always entertaining and always cool, and she's a wonderful person. So check that out. All righty, our next one comes from our girl APB. APB, what do you got for us this week on episode sixty nine of CSWR? A non MMA question this week to you and well for you and me. Uh, what's your favorite Easter candy? Mine was sweet tarts, bunnies, and ducks, but they don't even make them anymore. So this year I settled for Dove chocolates, but it's just not the same. <laughs> well, so I th- first thought about it, like, what is like a quintessential, you know, candy that only comes around this time of year? And when I was a kid, it was the big chocolate bunny, right? Like the big one, like the one that was like the size of like a like a large cup at McDonald's, <laughs> like those giant chocolate bunnies. I loved those when I was a kid. Um, in, in the ensuing years, since they came out with the Reese's eggs, I love the Reese eggs. So if, if we're talking like what's quintessential related only to this time of the year for Easter, for me, it's Reese eggs. Drea, what's your pick on this one? You literally picked exactly what I was going to pick. I love Reese's. I don't care what holiday it is, what shape it is. Uh, Reese's are my thing. It's like during Christmas, I love the Reese's trees and the Reese's bells during Easter. It's definitely the, the Easter eggs. Um, but what I actually used to do when I was a kid, I don't know if they just didn't have the, the egg shapes yet, but I used to get my, my big chocolate Easter bunny that my mom would get me. And I would literally get like a jar of peanut butter and I would break off pieces <laughs> of the bunny and I would dip it in peanut butter because it was just so good and then you know next thing you know they actually have this stuff you know made where you don't have to get all funky and do stuff like that (laughs) yes chocolate and peanut butter are like the the perfect combo do you remember the do you remember the commercials when you and i were kids you and i are about the same age and we were kids they would have these like 
crazy situations of how chocolate and peanut butter actually came to be joined. Like one was like an earthquake and the peanut butter jar opened and the, the candy bar <laughs> absolutely accidentally fell inside of it. And the guy was like, oh my gosh, chocolate and peanut right. butter together. What an amazing combination. Combination, yeah. That was the first thing I thought it's of. Definitely the story. best combination <laughs> made ever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, ABB, thank you so very much. And now, of course, I'm craving chocolate, so great. Um, <laughs> all right. I know our third one comes from our homie Brian at the Home and Sale. What do you got this week, dude? Which fights from the undercard are you most looking forward to on Saturday's UFC card? Oh, this is easy peasy for me, dude. Um, but anytime that there are anybody from the Rhino gang, that's that's what I'm most looking forward to, whether it's on the main card, undercard, or otherwise. Early prelim doesn't matter. So this coming weekend show, we've got Jorgen Castro versus Jaris Danilo at the heavyweight division. So, of course, I'm big time. Got my cheering hat on for Jorgen. And then also we got Jordan, the native psycho Griffin versus Luis Saldana at 145 pounds. So for me, for sure, dude. Jorgen Castro and Jordan Griffin, Rhino, gang, 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 gang. Absolutely. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for that great question, my dude. So to feature play, Dre, it is Sunday. And you've told that it's Easter Sunday. And you've told us many times that Sundays are the day where you focus on laundry. Is today another one of those days where it's going to be it's laundry day? actually or? not. No, All I right. actually took time yesterday to do it since we didn't have fights to watch. I found myself twiddling my thumbs with nothing to do last night so i actually did it last night so i can go hang out with the family today for easter so good deal i'm glad that you're <laughs> gonna have a fun and relaxing um day today i i too i'm looking at shutting it down once we get done with the show i'll get the show on i'm looking at shutting it down maybe play a little retro nintendo i think it's going to be on my agenda for the day so feature play andrea once again you have knocked out everything on this episode of cswr and we certainly appreciate you and we will look forward to having you on next week all right see you next week all righty fight fam let's go ahead and get into our voice questions i know our first one was my og the big homie up in canada jim soon jim what do you got for us this week my dude what's going on you bunch of fucking casuals Rhino and Rhino again. Hope you're all doing well. Um, man, that Russian for that CFSC lost his finger. Holy cow, man. Give that motherfucker the baddest motherfucking belt. That's it. You know what I mean? Who the fuck rips their finger off, tucks it inside a glove, and keeps fighting? God damn it, man. But then my question for you this week is uh, AJ McGee and uh, Pitbull. Who do you think wins that one? I love AJ, man. Like, the kid just fucking unreal, but Pippo, man. I don't know if anybody can be able to beat this guy. Like, I know he's been beat before, but, man, he just looks so good right now. So that's my question for you, man, is who's got that one? Keep up the great work, guys. Love the podcast. Any motherfuckers know it's always 420. Peace. Yeah, man. Pipple versus AJ McKee. Jim, you especially, you've been listening from like the very first episodes. You and everybody else has been listening for forever knows. I am so high on AJ McKee. I've talked about him at length on at least 10 or more episodes of this show. I talk about how talented he is, how diverse his skill set is. I really want him to become the Bellator Featherweight Champion. And I think that one day he absolutely will. 
But as you kind of alluded to, Pitbull has been on an unbelievably hot streak as of late. He's looked better than ever in his last, you know, seven or eight fights. Since his last loss to Benson Henderson, which was back in 2016, he's on a seven-fight win streak, including Michael Chandler. He's a double champ. He's got a chin of granite. I see him retaining the belt. I, I'm rooting for A.J. McKee. I really want A.J. McKee to win, and he could. But I'm just saying, if I really got to put, like, a like stock into it, I've, I've got to go with Pitbull on this one, dude. He just looks so good. The guillotine is so strong. He throws so hard. Yeah, that's that's where I got to go on that one. So, Jim Assoon, great question, my friend. Um, yeah, so we will absolutely wait to see what happens in the Featherweight Grand Prix to get our answer on that one. So, thank you, Jim. All righty, I know our next one comes from my homie Kairos from the Shots Fire Pod and his amazing YouTube channel. Kairos, what do you got for us this week, homie? What's up, Rhino fan? Hey, Drea. Hey, Rhino. Um, quick question for you. They just announced Wonderboy was fighting Gilbert Burns. I know a lot of people are still heavy on Burns, and Burns has shooters in these streets and everything. But I really think that Stephen Wonderboy Thomas is about to put on another clinic on this man, especially after he gets outside of round one. What are your opinions on the matchup, and what do you think the winner should get out of it as well as the loser should get out of this matchup? Thank you so much. Have a great day. Oh, Wonder Boy versus Burns, and what's next for the winner and the loser? Dude, I am such a Wonder Boy fan, and honestly, <laughs> I see I see him winning this fight. I really do. I think he's going to use his style of the in-and-out attacks, getting the fuck out of the way of when Burns is coming with the big power shots. I've definitely got Wonder Boy winning that fight, probably by unanimous decision. Uh, and to me, if and when... Uh, Wonder Boy does win. I, I like him for a title shot next, dude. I know he'll he should get the winner. Let's like let's go technical. He should get the winner of Usman versus Jorge, which I think is going to be Kamaru, right? And then for Gilbert, who would be the loser of that fight, he should get the loser of Nate and, and um, Edwards. I think is what should be next for him because so he can stay in that top ten. But yeah, I don't think if Nate loses, he would take that fight. But I think that's what should happen. Or if um, Edwards loses, it should be. Next for Burns. That's that's what I would do if I was matchmaking over there at uh, Welterweight. So, Tyro's great question. Thank you so much, my friend. We're so glad to have you back on, dude. Alrighty, I know our next voice question comes from the Homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast, the highly inebriated Friendly Sparring <laughs> Podcast from their last episode. If you listened, which I of course did, what do you got this week, Juice? What's up, Rhino? It's Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Looking ahead to next week's main event, um, Kevin Holland stepping in on short notice to face Marvin Vittori. Um, obviously, Kevin Holland just got absolutely ragdolled by, by Derek Brunson. So a win over Vittori isn't really going to vault him anywhere, just maybe keep him where he was before that loss, uh, or at least kind of get him just on track. But if Vittori wins, do you think he deserves a title shot? I haven't heard a lot of people talking about that. Um, and obviously, I mean, at least in my opinion, Robert Whitaker is next. But after that, do you think that would earn uh, Vittori uh, at least a number one contender spot um, with a win over Kevin Holland? Let me know. Love you. Love the show. If Vittori wins, does he deserve a number one contender spot? Not, not to me, buddy. Here's why. Should he beat Kevin on Saturday, which is a big baby. It's possible, but it's a big baby. Then his last three wins will be Kevin Holland, uh, the Joker Hermanson, and Carl Roberson. It, it, these are these are good fighters, no question about it. These are good fighters, but are they top? Are they the top of the heap? Are they championship resume worthy? Not not to me. 
Not yet. Now if we're talking title contender, especially at 185. I need names like Cannoneer or Costa or even Brunson on his resume before I can really co-sign on the idea of I think Martin Vittori is the number one contender. I think he's ready for the top. I think he's ready for, you know, Izzy again or Robert Whitaker, whoever it would be when he, once he gets there. I just I just don't see it. Not yet. Not yet, dude. I'm I'm too uh I'm too hesitant to pull the trigger on Colin Vittori, a number one contender, if he gets through Kevin Holland on Saturday. So, yeah, for me, it's going to take a few more wins uh, before I would put him in that conversation. So, yeah, that's my answer on that one, buddy. If you guys haven't already, of course, check out my boy Juice at the Friendly Sparring Pod and his homie Leo. It is good, good stuff. All righty, that's the extent of our voice questions for Episode 69. Let's go ahead and get into our interview with top-level jujitsu ace Hunter Colvin. And not to forget... LFA undefeated middleweight Hunter Colvin as he is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds with Rhino right after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. All oh, ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino Gang, we've got ourselves a very special guest joining us once again this week. My man from down in Oklahoma, the LFA undefeated middleweight and jiu-jitsu ace himself, Hunter Colvin, has joined us today to go 10 rounds with Rhino. Hunter, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, dude. We are, we're totally stoked to have you on. Uh, so basically, with the, we go to the 10 rounds with Rhino. Round one is always where we've got to hear the backstory, you know, the origin story. How did Hunter Colvin get into the world of mixed martial arts? Yeah, I just uh, started with traditional martial arts when I was young. I did the whole karate thing and then um, kind of found jiu-jitsu through that. Uh, started competing in jiu-jitsu at 16. Been competing in jiu-jitsu for 10 years and then just, you know, like the whole time was in love with the UFC and all that. And then just transitioned uh, to MMA two years ago and been fighting since then. That's awesome, dude. Now, it's it's funny because you're from Oklahoma, which has got such a rich wrestling you know, history with so many guys who have come out of the state to become great wrestlers who then later transitioned into MMA that you with the jujitsu route, do you, did you feel like a stronger connection to jujitsu over kind of the more prevalent sport of uh, wrestling? I think it was just because martial arts got me first. Like I was in martial arts already from such a young age. And then um, I would have friends that were wrestlers and, you know, we'd spar and stuff and they would beat me with their wrestling. So I just was like, oh, this gym also does jujitsu. So let me learn some jujitsu. And I just fell in love with jujitsu. I think if I had gotten into wrestling first, I'd have fell in love with wrestling. Just jujitsu just so happened to come first. I got gotcha. you. 
dude, you in 2020, there were so many things that were shut down. There were so many things that were unavailable to happen. But you, unlike almost anybody else I've seen, had a slew of competitive matches over the year of 2020. So uh, I, probably more than anybody else I, I saw in the entire landscape of all combat sports. Do you feel like you're going to be competing both in MMA and jiu-jitsu at this pace uh, moving forward? Um, no, not so much. I think, uh, my main focus is MMA right now and I'm looking to have like three or four fights a year. And then because of that and the training, I'll probably only do like, um, the big jujitsu events, the pans and the worlds and such. So, um, uh, I imagine the pace will slow down a little bit. Gotcha, dude. So MMA fans for the most part are not familiar with, I'm sorry, are familiar with jujitsu, but are not necessarily familiar with combat jujitsu. Can you kind of walk us through the difference between the two different forms of the sport? Yeah, it was just something new that Eddie Bravo was trying out, and um, he would throw these like really big events on. And uh, basically, it's just jujitsu with like strikes, and it's like palm strikes. So it's open hand. Um, a lot of people think it's slapping, but really, it's more palm strikes. And uh, you can actually deal some pretty good damage on the ground. There's been people that's been cut and TKO'd. Um, so it's just kind of a like a halfway to MMA, which was good for me because it allowed me to get some like pre MMA practice in. Absolutely, dude. If anybody doesn't think a palm strike is devastating, look at some old Boss Rutten films where he was knocking dudes out with palm mm -hmm. strikes. So and you're talking about on the ground too, so there's no real give. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sure those would be very devastating strikes. Um, your last uh, grappling match was with everybody knows Gabriel Gonzaga, dude, former UFC title contender, heavyweight, long time heavyweight uh in the ufc so that was your last grappling opponent how did you end up fighting somebody that much bigger with than you dude like is there not weight classes in this tournament like how did that come about um for the most part they try to keep everybody around the same uh weight but that was chelf sonin's card and i i know he likes you know to have some different matches so i know gabe it was like a week's notice and gabriel was trying to get in right around the same time i was trying to get in and i was just like hey you know i'll grapple gabriel like um he's in a, you know he's a little bit older than me um He's in his 40s now, but I figured with the size difference and the age difference, we kind of even out, and uh, it was a good match. We ended up going to overtime. You ended up getting me in overtime, but uh, you know, a fun match. And I mean, like for me, I grew up watching the UFC, so to get to grapple somebody like that, you know, it was a really cool experience for me. Absolutely, dude. And everybody, you know, the first thing you think of when you think of Gabriel Gonzaga is the incredible highlight reel knockout over Crow Cop, dude, that nobody saw coming. Um, so yeah, he's definitely somebody we all are familiar with, and what an incredible. Uh, match you had with him uh, in the grappling world, dude. So I touched on it a little bit earlier, but just like uh, you've only had four MMA fights total, dude, in your in your entire career, one AME and three pro, but you had over a dozen grappling matches over this past year. I mean, that's a I, I don't know what the toll that it takes on the body because I've never done it, but it's got to be draining and exhausting. How are you feeling right now? I mean, you had such a busy from like the end of 2019 to right now. You've had an incredible amount of competition like how are you feeling how are you holding up i feel good like if that's one thing the pandemic showed me is that like um you know i i love to compete and i love to train when um we were on lockdown and it wasn't you know as easy to come by i like really missed it so now that i have the opportunity i just um i'm young and i my body can take it and i just uh you know do as many as i can while i can well, you've certainly, you've certainly pushed it to the limits, dude. <laughs> 12 <laughs> grappling matches and all the MMA, it's, it's unbelievable, dude. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm sure all of your years of traditional martial arts and training have kind of pre prepared you for this kind of uh, you know gauntlet you've run yourself through, dude. So those of us who watch the LFA, which myself included, 
Um, your first LFA fight was just a few weeks ago, bro, and you got the first round submission win. Do you think that the LFA is going to be home for a while, or is this just kind of uh, whoever gives you the best fight, the best situation, the best contract? That's where that's where you're going to head to for your next MMA fight. Well, I'm actually um, under contract with LFA. I have a three fight contract with them, so I'll oh, be there. Oh, cool. For my, yeah, yeah, well, I'll be there for my next two fights. That's awesome, dude. And uh, has there been any talk about when they want to maybe get you on next, or is this kind of wait and see right now? Yeah, um, uh, I got uh, Nogi Pans Jiu-Jitsu coming up, so that's uh, taking up my time right now, but we're looking at July being my next fight. Okay, so just a little bit later on in the summer, so that's still, that's still not too far away for sure. Uh, so that's where we can hope to see you back in the LFA cage, which I know we're all looking forward to. Um, dude, you've won matches with such a variation of chokes, from the Dars to the Triangle to the RNC, you name it, you seem to have done it. Is there one of those techniques that you really kind of prefer as your go-to, or is it just whatever kind of presents itself, that's what you're going to jump on? Uh, my favorite's the rare naked choke, for sure. I just like, I'm like good at getting to the back and holding the back, so I, I just I think that's the easiest choke for me to get. So the old RNC is the one that Hunter Colvin goes for. I got you, bro. That's, uh, um, that's my most practical choke, I would say. But if like I had to pick a favorite, like just what's the most satisfying to hit, I would say is Darce chokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw when I was researching you for this interview, I saw some film and I saw one of your Darces on there and I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good fucking squeeze. I would not be getting <laughs> out of that one. Um, of course, you're known for your sub skills, but you know, you do have a pro win via punches. Uh, for someone who's got no experience subbing anybody, you know, I was a pro boxer for 10 years. I only know what it's like to knock people out. I have no understanding about the feeling i've tried to i asked some, some other fighters that i've had on the show about this like what was the difference when you got the tk because you've subbed a million guys but what was the difference like did it feel different for you was it more satisfying less satisfying uh when you to get that tko win earlier this year um yeah to be honest with you it is more satisfying like just because like you said it's different it's just new the submissions like just so many times I've submitted people, so you kind of lose this luster. Um, I'm looking forward to my first like knockout on the feet. I I, I want to experience what that feels like. It's pretty fucking great, bro. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's a pretty fucking nice feeling <laughs> 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 to, to separate somebody from consciousness on the feet. But I just like you. I want to experience what it's like to sub somebody on the ground. And so with um you know with restrictions, we'll see when things are lifted. But. Um, I definitely want to start learning jujitsu because I have retired from the ring for sure. No more punches to the face for the old rhino, dude. But I, definitely, <laughs> I definitely want to learn what it's like to uh, to be on the ground and learn that game. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that as well. So Hunter, we all know that you know when it comes time for training, and you've been training pretty much nonstop and competing for the last year plus. But when it's time to like really relax and indulge and kind of fucking. You know, just go out with your friends and have a really good meal, like a cheat meal, if you will, or just something to really that you don't normally get to have when you're training all the time. What's like a like the best meal that you can go for and where do you get it from? Mm, yeah, that's tough. I like really like like pasta and Italian food. So like that would be my go to. I like wine, too. So I have a little bit of wine with that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a bunch of good uh, places in Tulsa uh, that have good Italian food. And that's probably where we go for so I've been to Oklahoma City, but I've never been to to Tulsa. What what are kind of the main differences between the two, if you don't mind kind of being like our geographical tour guide between the two towns? Because I really I really don't know. I read the uh, Chris Bird book when I was a kid, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, uh, it was the the guy who was paralyzed uh, in pro, pro football. 
he uh-huh. was from Tulsa, and then he, you know, he worked his way back to being able to walk in, which was amazing. Um, Dennis Bird, I believe, is what it was. Uh, but yeah, he talked a lot about Tulsa in his book, and it sounded like a pretty cool place. But I've only been to Oklahoma City. What's kind of the main differences between the two? So I would say Oklahoma City is like more of a sports town. Like all their a lot of their stuff sports themed, and of course the Thunder plays there, and like the downtown's kind of centered around the Thunder's arena. Um, whereas Tulsa, I would say, is more like artsy. Like we have the Canes Ballroom, which is like one of the bigger music venues in America and just like the whole area is just like, there's a lot of murals and stuff. I would just say it's more of an art scene, uh, art scene in Tulsa. Okay. Um, there, yeah, I, I definitely, that's definitely someplace I would love to hit, uh, when I get Beverly get back over to, you know, when travel becomes a little bit more available, more accessible. <laughs> of course. that's somewhere I'd like to check out. So dude, we have actually rocked our way all the way through the 10 rounds. We are into our 10th round right now, Hunter. So basically what the 10th round is, is where we kind of, we have you share your socials so that I don't know which, whichever ones you're on so that the people can kind of follow you and keep tabs on you. Like how do we keep tabs on Hunter Colvin's careers moving forward? Yeah. Um, mainly Instagram's the main one I use. It's my last name. It's Colvin three, three, five. And then, uh, you can get me on Facebook too, uh, Hunter Colvin. And then you said that your next, uh, is, is the, the pans is your next, uh, jujitsu competition. Yeah, Nogi Pans. It'll be uh, the second week of May, I believe, and okay. uh, you can watch that on Flow Grappling. Flow Grappling T. It's Flow Grappling TV, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flow Grappling in the second week of May, and then hopefully looking out for a uh, cage return for the LFA in uh, July. Yep. Excellent. Well, Hunter, man, we really cruised through, but I want to tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time out from your busy schedule to go in 10 rounds with Rhino today. And, uh, man, we really appreciate you, and we look forward to seeing what's going on with the rest of your career, my man, and following you closely. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, dude. We'll talk to you soon. This is Hunter Colvin, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Really, really cool to get to know Hunter Colvin on that on that forum, dude. That was a really interesting conversation with the guy. I've never been, you know, super well-versed in the jiu-jitsu world and the high-level grappling world. It was really cool to talk to somebody who is. Um, I would have to give a big shout-out to Dodge Sports for uh, putting us together. I love having your guys on. They're always so professional. And, um, yeah, I just really appreciate it. Very cool interview with Hunter. I can't wait to see what's next for him uh, down the line in the LFA and then beyond. So let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs to my peeps in the Rhino Gang who participated in this week's Question and A session. Question and A? We'll call it a a <laughs> Of course, Sin City Sarah, our girl, thank you so much. APB for the fantastic candy-related question. To my homie Brian over there at the Home and Sale, thank you. Dude, of course, Jim Asun. Dude, we love having you on. We love having that gravelly voice. It makes every show better. We appreciate you. Kairos, definitely check his stuff out, not only at Shots Fired Pod, but his YouTube channel. He is awesome. Then definitely, last but not least, my man Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Too funny. Great impressions. Great singing voice. Funny, funny dude. Great to have him uh, participate this week as well. A few more members of the Rhino Game. We want to shout out, of course, all the ladies of the PRG. My homie Brad from over there in Sweden. Uh, the both of Pamela's times too. You guys are awesome. Miss Fight Diva, my dude Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, who is a fabulous boxing writer. If you guys are boxing fans too, check out my man Marquise. He puts together some fantastic, outstanding, well-thought-out articles. Totally great stuff. All right, of course, my girl Pokey Mama, my homie Mike Morgan from Shots Fired. So many people who make this show go. Of course, to my Triple D, Defeat Your Play Andrea, the best engineer in the biz, D Reigns. My man Dave Fretz, the Einstein of graphic design. 
Can't hide. I can't tell you how much they mean to this show. Unbelievable. So we've got great news upcoming. I'll probably drop it a little bit later on in the week, but big news coming on the pipe for the old CSWR, a couple of us, the CSWR crew. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be dropping that a little bit later on in the week. I definitely want to say thank you to everybody who listened this week. Happy Easter to those of you who celebrate it and those who don't. I hope you have a wonderful, relaxing, fun-filled Sunday yourself. Let's all be kind. We're going to get through this together. We're almost at the tail end of this. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I love you guys all so very much. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week. Kate Sun!